Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? It's the day after Halloween, which uh, means it's time for Christmas music to start. I don't know. How was your Halloween? Honestly, my outfit, my costume was subpar. Mm. It, it was mostly for me about looking good uh, mm. rather than being creative. So I bought this new, like, this new top and I wore it over a bra and I... And I sort of like made up an outfit. Um, so maybe next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just had like a knife through my head, um, which I thought was really lame until I was walking like downtown and this woman comes up to me and goes, ow, and points at my head. <laughs> and <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of like made my night and made my costume. Um, but we're super excited to bring in the fall slash Christmas season with an incredible guest. Today, we will be interviewing Zenia Rubinos over a cup of caramel apple cider. Great. Let's get into it. So today we chose caramel apple cider. Um, and honestly, I think this tastes really good. Um, I think that it is definitely more, a little bit on the sweet side for me per usual. Um, but I think the caramel plus cider combo is, is really smooth and decadent as they say. Um, I don't know if I would like go the extra mile for the caramel part, um, both, you know, because it's more expensive and like more work, but like if this was at like say a housewarming party I would drink it what about you Sam oh when I was a small child and my mom would go to Starbucks and get her triple espresso double shot like whatever I would always get the caramel apple spice in my um little what's the smallest size called I don't know I didn't really go to Starbucks Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I would get my little caramel apple spice and like sip it next to her and pretend like I was drinking coffee as well. Um, so I have very fond memories of caramel apple cider. So it's always going to hold that place in my heart. Also, I think it's the drink that feels the most like fall. So very exciting. Um, but to go on to our interview today, we're going to be interviewing the incredible multi-instrumentalist, uh, incredible singer, really just does everything you can think of, Xenia Rubinos. Um, I was introduced to her music back in 2016 with Black Terry Cat, which was an incredible album which addressed a lot of different um, themes of kind of belonging and a lot of different musical styles incorporating some jazz and rock. But her newest album, Una Rosa, takes a bit of a different direction, um, a lot more electronic influences. And if you haven't heard her work, this album is a great introduction because it showcases all of the growth that she's done throughout her career. Yeah, I'm so stoked to be able to interview Zenia. I remember when me and Sam were in high school, we were listening to Black Terry Cat. Um, and I was just uh, have always been really drawn to yeah her like wide range um of instrumentals and also just like I think her rhythms are like super unique um and so yeah super excited to be interviewing Xenia should we call her up right now yep let's call her up 
Hello. Hi. Hi, y'all. Hi, how are you? Good. How's it going? Great. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk with us today. We really appreciate it. Um, we saw you chose to be grapes for Halloween. Any reason for grapes? I don't know. I just, I think I saw it a couple years ago and I've always wanted to make that a reality. It just looked like it was going to be fun and it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looked incredible. Uh, <laughs> I went a bit more basic. I just did a knife through my head. So <laughs> okay. I wish I could have gone with the grapes vibe. Um, but it's so nice to finally have um, Una Rosa out, at least for me as a fan. And I know this is kind of an open-ended question, but what does it feel like for you to finally have the album out in the world after all this time between your last release? It feels really surreal um because I've been working on it for a while and we started releasing songs from it last fall and um you know so it's like it's been so nice to have such a slow pace to kind of um you know spend time with each of the six singles like and give them their full attention um and now it's kind of like uh oh it's out it's you know like it's no longer mine so it's like I get to share it with everybody but that time of it being just like my private thing you know that like I have to go to a secret link to listen to it in the car or whatever like that's over you know so <laughs> so it's kind of surreal um but it also it feels good because now I can listen to it with new years like the more people listen to it then the the newer it sounds to me too Definitely. Um, and we also heard you say um, in an interview that you felt somewhat detached, at least at the beginning of this project. Um, was there any like specific song or moment that helped you begin to like appreciate or connect more with the record in the process? Yeah, I think um, Did My Best was a moment when I really just connected on like a cellular level in the studio. Um, and it had been a long time coming. I think there were a lot of little moments in the studio that started to like animate me again, but that one in particular just really um, was like when I, I was working with my co-producer um, Marco and he suggested that I get on a vocoder and we were working on that track and I thought it was going to be like this experimental instrumental type of like loud banger. And he's like, I, I'm really hearing vocals on this. And I'm like, oh, I don't hear it. But I was, you know, because I was detached, it also helped me to be more open to, um, yeah, to trying new things, basically. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll do this. And once I started singing on the vocoder, I just started improvising and that song came out really quickly. And I, it wasn't until I finished the vocal takes and we were listening back that I like felt goosebumps. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? Like, and it was just such a, it was a really healing moment. And I felt like, oh, this is, I didn't realize it at, while I was singing or while I was writing it, but I'm like, oh, this is a song about me. Like, this is very much my experience. So it was, that was a beautiful moment. Um, and there were many like that. Yeah. And I know, um, I think you talked about when writing that song that, you normally don't write in the studio. Um, do you think because so much of this record was like written in the studio that it changed um, kind of your process and the way that the music came out? Definitely, I would say just, you know, I, I would 
in the past workshop songs for a long time on my own, like for months or even more without showing them to anyone. And it was like a very, and I'm still very like private and there's still like a, a very like ritualistic uh, aspect to music making for me. But I had always been curious about what it would be like to write on the spot, you know? And I've been working with Marco for um, more than a decade on music. So like he knows me really well and he knows my music well, but still it's such a personal process for me that it's very difficult to share it with other people and to like write, to like be put on the spot and like, okay, let's write this verse right now. Um, and it's like very vulnerable, you know, it's kind of like, you know, showing up with, with your hair, like, like you just got out of bed, like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> here we go. Um, so I think it really kind of just forced me a lot of times to go with my first mind, you know, and like not overthink things. Um, and just kind of, again, like use that detachment to my advantage to like get out of my own way. Um, and I think that that resulted in, uh, a growth for me creatively and musically, um, and allowed me to, to explore, you know, even different ways of singing and using my voice and like, produ like production techniques, like, you know, using a more electronic palette that I just, I hadn't done because I was more focused coming from like a, a jazz perspective of like playing every single thing that you hear you know um or like if I can't play it you're not going to hear it kind of thing and instead this time it was just much more freeing of like let's just play let's see what what we got in this box you know what we got in this computer like what can we do um so yeah I think it definitely changed my music yeah and talking about um kind of that that freeing feeling that um like writing in the studio gave you when you write, are you writing to an instrumental or do you kind of have the lyrics all set before you record? What is that process like? Lyrics are usually last for me, not mm -hmm. always, but they're usually the last thing that happens. Um, usually I'm working with a beat or like there's a melodic idea or like a little riff that happens. Maybe I was playing the bass and like came up with something. Um, and maybe there's like little bits and pieces of words in there. Um, but for example, like there's a song called Don't Put Me In Red and that song, like that hook was written like years ago. And I just, and I had a bass part for it. And then I just didn't have any verses. I didn't know what it was really gonna be. Um, so that happens sometimes when there's just like an idea of a lyric. Um, but for the most part, I'm really following like the music, you know? We also know that you've been like recording music on tapes since you were like young and we we're wondering like has that ever been like a unexpected like source of inspiration like do you ever listen back on them and like is it what is it like just having relics of like music you recorded like so long ago? I literally just found that tape like last month so I had always remembered that it was around and I would always tell Marco like yo I really need to find this cassette tape because there's this song called blue on it and like I need to find that song like I remember it and then finally but I was sure it got lost or thrown out or something and finally like uh, my mom was selling uh the house that I grew up in um that I hadn't been back to in like forever and like I got to go through some boxes and some stuff and I found it I found two cassettes and it was a trip 
to hear myself. Like I'm still, I honestly, I haven't gone back. I listened to it once and I haven't gone back to it because it was just such a trip. You know, I'm like, who is this girl? Like there was this song that was like, I came out here to bust a move. I came out here to sing to you. I came to lay down the groove. I was like, what is this? What is going on? Like I was, it was so much sass. You know, and then I would turn around and it was like an instrumental like composition with like flute and like some beat from a Casio keyboard and like I don't know what was going down, but it's it's, it's it runs the gamut. It really runs the gamut. So yeah, I mean, I think it it can be inspiring for pieces in the future. Like I think there's some fire. There's some fire on there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you were really rapping on there. I was really like on a tip. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Like, it's embarrassing, but it's kind of cute. So, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and part of the reason we ask is because I think some moments on Una Rosa kind of share a, a similar, like, tapey aesthetic. Um, and I mean that, like, mostly in terms of being, uh, like, very electronically influenced in especially compared to some of your older work. And I was wondering, was that electronic influence something that you've been working towards for a while? Because I remember hearing it on the two singles in 2019, but even those I think are very different from what we get on the new record. Yeah, I think um, that's awesome that you know those singles. Yeah, the 2019 Diosa and Bugisha singles, like that was my first like dipping my toe into like releasing something that was more electronic. Um, and that was like me doing all of the, like most of the writing and track and all the stuff on, like by myself, like in the studio and being and like trying to imagine what myself in this other world, you know? Um, and I was like super into it. And I kind of just wanted to do like, it's not really like a dance track, but it has like some kind of like more dancey element to it. And uh, I just found that really exciting. And frankly, it's just like a natural progression. I think like at a certain point I realized like the music that I was making was very played and very like band, um, was very kind of like band music in a way, whereas like we all get together and play these instruments. Um, but then the music that I was listening to was electronic, you know, like the majority of the stuff I was like, that was what was in my ear. And I was like, oh, okay. So there's a gap, which just doesn't necessarily mean you know, you could be an artist, like, who loves, you know, watercolors, but you're a sculptor, like, it doesn't really, that's not really necessarily a thing, but I, I knew that it was something, there was a gap in between, like, what I was imagining in my mind, like, the sounds I was hearing, and the sounds I was making, so I think, like, it took a, a while to get there, and honestly, like, yeah, Diosa and Bugeisha was, like, my first step into that world, and then once, like Marco and I sat down and really started working on this record together. He has also, um, he produced Black Terry Cat and Magic Tricks, my first two records. And like, he's grown so much in the last years as a producer on different projects. And like, I think that his production skills also just allowed me to expand my palette. You know, like I just learned so much working from him and like just his facility around like using different plugins or like, working different synths or I would be like yo I have this idea like I want it to sound like this and like 20 minutes later he's like boom here you go like play it you know so he would like dial in sounds for me and I would like go in and and play and like so it, you know I think like our our collaboration grew a lot and that that allowed me to explore that palette 
And like also like kind of going off of that, um, there were like a lot of, you know, singles that were released um, from Una Rosa and we realized that they were all like sort of so different and showcased like definitely like a wide range of styles. Were you trying to intentionally um, sort of tease that out before the album was released? Um, and like, what was the strategy behind that? The album like was started to really come together when the visual stuff started happening, which is like, I started imagining that this album had two sides, that there was a red side and a blue side. Um, I, I like honed in on the tracks that I wanted to, to be in the album. So I, I cut out some, some stuff. And then I decided what the track listing was. And that was like a full year before we even finished the record. Like I had already kind of had my track list, had the red and blue side, and then started having this idea of like, oh my gosh, it would be so cool to be able to like present six singles. Kind of like if I was a big pop star that was dropping like, you know, singles and videos, you know, like in kind of in that format where it's like, oh, we're just doing singles. And it, and luckily like the label was really receptive and supportive of that idea. And they were like, all right, let's go. Like, and we put a plan together of just like, we didn't name which singles were gonna come out. We were just like, okay, this is our time frame, more or less, you know? So starting last September when we released Who Shot Ya, like that song came together in like August of that year. And then in September we shot the video and put the track out, like it was very organic. And, this, and then the same thing happened with like, did my best. Like, I was just like, oh, did my best is like a winter song. Like this song needs to come out in New Year's. I had the idea for the video. So it was very like, just organic and very much like following the music and what was happening with it, you know? Um, and that was really, really dope. And then this past summer, the album had already been completed. So it was different. It was like, okay, the album is done now. So like, it was a little bit, less like oh my gosh we gotta hurry up and finish this mix you know it was the mix was done and it was like more about the visuals um I don't know if I'm answering your question but I guess like yeah it was intentional but it was also like very in in the flow like it wasn't um so contrived and I was kind of just going with like oh I met this you know amazing video director and now I'm gonna make this other video with him and it, yeah it just was like okay what's feeling right and then at a certain point I asked the team who had heard the record like oh what's your favorite song like what song should I release as a single and they all picked Cogelo Suave as their song they're like that's the jam that's the one I'm like okay that's crazy like I wasn't expecting that at all and as a matter of fact it was really hard because I was like I don't have any visual ideas for this song like it was the only one that I really hadn't thought I was like oh this is just me being crazy in the studio and just us doing whatever we want you know so I wasn't prepared for that at all. And then um, when everybody picked that song, I only had a few weeks to figure it out. And this person like hit me, DM'd me on Instagram, was like, hey, I'm an animator. Like literally that day. And was like, hey, I would love to animate a video for you. I was like, dope, here we go, boom. So it was very, I was very lucky to have this time, you know, to kind of flow and to really like just take things as they were coming. I had that, that de you know, like deadlines that were really helpful to keep me on track, but I didn't have to decide like what I was doing. You know what I mean? So it was all about like the music and the visual art. Um, so it was, it was great. I wish it could always be this way. That's so funny. It's like when you ask your friends to pick something and they mm -hmm. don't pick the thing. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Inside. <laughs> um, yeah. Just kind of like, just in general, what for you is sort of like the relationship between 
like visual elements of like songwriting and like music and like the way you approach like I don't know like imagining how like a music video or like visuals of like a song are gonna come out I mean, this album was definitely the most visual work I've ever done to date. And I, I learned so much from this process. And, um, you know, there's this mixing engineer who, who mixed the record um, with us, his, his name's Chris Tabron. And when he, when, when he signed on to do the project, he asked me to send him any visual references that I had because he likes to print them out and like put them in his studio, like while he's mixing. And I was just like, wow, this person is taking this seriously. And I, I like, I do that, you know, I sometimes like have little, um, you know, I may not print them out, but I have like a little full, like a little Google drive folder with all my visual references or like YouTube links. Um, we obviously were all, like, not obviously, but a lot of times we, we make um, playlists that are references, like musical references. Okay, we want this track to sound like this or the synth sound for this one or like whatever. But the visual research is like a relatively new thing for me. And I really started taking it seriously in this album cycle. And it was really helpful to have collaborators who also took it seriously and weren't like, oh, you're just going down like a YouTube rabbit hole. Like, you know, like, cause that can feel that way. It can feel like, oh, I'm just getting lost in like the sauce over here. And like three hours later, you didn't make progress on that verse, but like you watched like 5,000 like YouTube clips of some, you know, variety show from the nineties. And you're like, why did I just do? But I think it is really important, you know? And it's like, it all, it just, it was really like this, this album was really a turning point for me in realizing that it's all the same thing. You know, it's all just different methods to get to creating something, you know? So, and I think like unlocking that visual piece was so important for me. And I wanted this music to feel cinematic and I wanted it to feel like it could invoke images as you're listening. Um, I wanted to bring the drama. And it's like, if I want all of that, then I also need to be really like researching like what the visual references are, you know? So sometimes when we were stuck on a track, I'd be like, okay, let's pause this for a second and let's like take 30 minutes to do like a vis visual search of like moods or like something that reminds you of this track or this like what you want to feel or what you want this to sound like and so um slowly yeah we started building this archive of like images and links and and that was so useful as I was creating the um characters for each of these tracks for the singles I got to like do portraits um for each of them and like think about them less as like a press photo where it's just like, whatever, I'm just gonna look cute and like promote this. But it was more just like, okay, who is singing this track? Like who's singing the song and dressing up like her or like them and being like, what is this person? Like, what are they dressed like? What's her name? Like, I mean, I didn't always name them, but it was, it was really, really dope. And, um, and I also got to write um, the video for Did My Best which was like the first time I ever wrote a video treatment. And it was the, and I wrote it while we were producing the track. So like some of the sounds, like the firework sounds or the turn signal in the car, like we were writing that in the studio. And I thought I wouldn't have the time or money to make that video, but I was like, doesn't matter. I'm just like, just saw it again as like research and was like, I'll know when I listen to the song, I'll know what the visual story is, you know? But then I ended up getting the chance to make that video, um, which was a treat. So. Yeah, I just see the visual uh, world as an extension of the music, you know? And like the music is always like first for me, but I really like this year, if anything, I learned how much I love making 
visuals. Like I love it and I hope I get to do it more. Yeah. Um, sorry, that just gave me a ton of threads to go off of, but that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I see those visual elements in your work. Um, yeah, I really loved all the videos from this, but especially um, Don't Put Me in Red and Did My Best. Those are such beautiful videos. Um, I guess one thing that you brought up was that you tend to make playlists of music that um, you want to go after the sound or influences you on a project. And on a lot of the tracks on this album, I just saw influences kind of everywhere, um, especially the song Sakude. And I feel like you embrace so many songs, different sounds all over the spectrum. And is this an intentional blending of influences or did the song just take you in whatever direction it wanted to go? Yeah, I think that that track was really a difficult one um, because we had produced that track um, with the intention of having another producer come in kind of as like a guest and to like fill it in with his artistic voice and then that deal like kind of went to shit and it didn't happen so we spent a long time cooking that song like Marco and I and getting it to a point where I was ready to send off and like work on and then that didn't happen and then it got kind of left in the back of the closet and by the time I opened it up again, I was like, I hate this track. Like, this is terrible. It, it just felt really overdone. It felt really like I was trying to do too much, you know, and that track, it was like my version of rumba, guawanko, which is like a traditional rhythm from Africa that's like also played in Cuba. And I was obsessed with um, Cuban rumba. And had been listening a lot to it and was like, I want to write something like that, but I want it to be electronic and want it to be my own thing. Um, and so that was the, it was, there was like a lot of pressure that I put on myself on that track, you know, where I was like, I want to do my own version of this, but I'm not a rumbera. Like I don't, I never studied that music. Like I don't have the chops for this, you know, but I was inspired by Rita Indiana, who's this incredible um, Dominican artist. Um, who made a, a, a record a couple years ago that was very much like make it was a it was a confluence of like punk rock uh, electronic music bachata merengue like um, storytelling she's also an incredible right like author um, and I was like I want to do something like that you know so I was like putting all of this pressure on this track and I think it kind of was like floundering under that you know and so um, really I was like, all right, we're gonna, we have to finish this track and we're gonna put three hours on the clock and do like an against the clock thing where we have to like pretend like we're on, there's like this this mag, fact mag. I don't know if you've ever seen this. There's a session where they like make producers go in and do a track in like an hour. And I was like, okay, we're gonna pretend like that the cameras are in our face and like we gotta finish this track in three hours. And so, and that we're remixing it. So basically we quickly became like, came up with two different routes and um, Marco had like this industrial type of techno situation happening. And then I had like more of this like hip hop, like pocket kind of beat. And I have veto power in the studio. So I was like, veto, we're going with my way. Like, um, and we went with, we went with the, the beat that ultimately is what you hear like in the drop when the, when the track opens up. And I took away like basically everything that was on the track except for the vocals and that beat and just treated it like a remix. I'm like, okay, this is the most important thing is like the vocals and this beat and boom. And then we'll just build little synth pads around it. 
Um, and that was really fun. It was like a little nerve wracking. Cause I'm like, is this going to even happen? You know, we had like, we had to hand in the record the, the following week. Um, but it, it's ended up being one of my favorite tracks on the record. Um, and you know, I think the song really shines through the song was there all along. It was just all about like production, um, choices. And I think in terms of melding styles, I think I just, you know, I just do that. That's, that is my style is like to just meld different you know genres or different influences so that comes easy for me but what was challenging here was was like I was trying to make it feel natural like I didn't want it to feel so heavy or organic I didn't want it to make it feel like I worked on it for a long time you know like so that's that's the tricky part is like let's pretend like this was really easy um yeah, yeah so I mean, but I love it I love the way it came out I'm proud of it I like to like play it loud in the car and go go wild <laughs> I love how you took the fact Mac thing and you're like we're gonna do this for real it's <laughs> 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 not a drill <laughs> exactly <laughs> um we also noticed that like um auto-tune and like voice modulation pops a lot like pops up a lot on this project um mm -hmm. was that something that you had experienced a lot with before or like did you feel like such like vocal manipulation just like fit into sort of like the style of this project yeah I think that's a good question I hadn't really used uh vocal manipulation stuff that much in the past and I think I had been coming off of a period of feeling like I had to prove myself like I could really sing like you know some some shit like that and what and that I think you know I've moved past that of being like I don't got to prove anything to anybody and I'm just making music and so like the music is just has to do what it does. And, you know, I think the auto-tune, honestly, we just opened it because it was fun. And like, I was like, let's open up this auto-tune on the, oh, you know, it'd be funny. Like, let's try to like sing this classic, like heartbreak song, but with like auto-tune and see what it sounds like. And we were just kind of laughing and just being funny. And then I'm like, I love this, you know? And also <laughs> like, I, I mean that, you know, auto-tune is like something that a lot of, like producers and like that I love use in their tracks and it's just another color it's just another little flavor and a nod to some of that like there's a producer um from Spain called El Guincho and he made this album um oh my gosh I think it's called Comics it's his last album and like there's auto-tune all over that and that's very much like in his voice um in his in what he uses on his voice and you know it's everywhere like everybody knows what, what it is like um but I had never I thought it was kind of silly and was like ah oh, whatever it's people who can't sing or like I'm not trying to be like out here doing trap or whatever like I'm just, you know but it's not like that you know it's just another color so I turned it on and it was like yo this feels so good like it feels so right like the beginning of I hombre, like that track after the instrumental track when that drops, I was like, oh, like it just felt like this future moment, you know, and that auto-tune just helped me like bring it into this different flavor, you know, like and kind of slap you upside the head, being like, yo, we're here now, like let's go. Um, so yeah, it's just a tool um that I just had I had a lot of fun doing. And I think also references like different styles. Like when you hear it, it, it brings you to a different place stylistically. Um, so like in a song like Ciego, which is kind of like my version of like a slow, like sexy dembo track, like that, you know, bringing in that, that auto tune was just like a little nod to that style. 
So it's just, it was fun. Yeah, it's, definitely. I've been loving singing with auto tune, but you can't put it on everything. It's too, you know, like it's <laughs> too much, but I had, as you can hear on the album, I had a lot of fun using it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely on a lot on this album. So. <laughs> But we just have a couple more questions. Um, first, is there anything that you want listeners to take away from this project? I mean, I definitely, one of the things that I want to offer is like a, a, a meaty listen, like a listen that has a lot of things for you. And that if you keep coming back to it, you'll find new things in it. I really love um, albums like that, that lead me to, discover other music that I didn't know about, you know, I'll like, be like, oh, what is that? Or like, what's the, you know, what sample is that? Or if, you know, the artist is talking about a, another musician I didn't know about, like I can go and find new stuff. So it's like a little gateway. So I hope that, you know, there are, there are a lot of things to discover inside of this record for someone and that could provide like hours and hours of listening and can accompany somebody in their feelings. I wish that like, you know, did my best, could accompany people. I wish that there could be different songs on the record that could be someone's song for a period or for a time or for, for a mood, you know? That's like a dream scenario, it's like for me. But yeah, I hope people listen to it. I hope they, they find it and, and that they love it. Definitely, they, they will love it. Um, and our, our last question is just, um, what are you, I don't know, I guess if you, I mean, you just dropped this album. So I guess like if you have anything else coming out or like, if not, like just what are you excited about like in the upcoming months or like weeks? I'm really excited to uh, think about and learn about performance and how I would like to perform um, moving forward. And like both on a technical level, like building a more sustainable touring practice um, that's help that encourages myself and my uh, touring uh, buddies to be safe and to be healthy. Um, and so, and like that includes like building new economic like structures for how these things work and also like how I'm moving in the world, like what are the venues that I'm working with, um, like holding people accountable. Um, yeah, I'm very curious about how to build a new structure um, for all of this. And I'm also curious about like dance. I'm very excited. I'm going to my first Afro-Cuban dance class on Wednesday and I'm so amped. Um, well, actually I'm lying. This is my second time. I haven't been in like many years, but um, but it's my, yeah. So it's my first one in a long time. I'm amped for that. And then I'm amped to like continue using dance as a compositional tool, like, starting like the same way that I did like a visual research continuing doing that but also like I really want to work with movement as part of my writing process you know so yeah and hopefully like touring and and playing will happen but I, I really want the show to be intentional um and to to involve um yeah movement and lighting and visuals and feel like just as immersive as the album is so I'm excited for that no, that sounds awesome. I always wish I knew how to dance. My friend does Latin dance and I just saw her show. And like, I feel like at Latin dance shows, the audience is always like so hype. <laughs> They're never just like sitting there, like yelling. <laughs> oh, that's what I love though about like 
experimental movement stuff mm. but it's not as much about like popping and lock like I'm not gonna show up and start popping and locking and like right. I mean who knows maybe I will but um <laughs> that is more about just like even just connecting to your body and like what feels pleasurable in your body how does your body want to move like mm-hmm. I love that yeah um, no it feels very like intuitive mm-hmm. but then I move and I'm like that's not <laughs> That's not how I thought I would look. <laughs> That's exactly me at the dance class. They're like, okay, right foot. And I'm like, I'm yes. they're like, right foot. And they're like, nope, that's your left, honey. I'm like, oh. <laughs> like when I'm looking at the mirror, so. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that those were all the questions that we had. Thank you again so much for hopping on. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Versions. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Xenia Rubinos and check out her newest album, Uno Rosa. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com or on our weekly newsletter, The Q. See you next week.